Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. To the latest episode of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, sponsored, of course, by Man of Means Skincare Products. Tom, how are you doing? Well, I've been on a three day drinking binge, <laughs> drowning my sorrows. Man, I, I, I hope you pause for effect there because I looked at my ping or whatever and I was in like the 600s. I'm like, crap. It's going to be one of those nights, but maybe not. Yeah, it was uh, it's the, the third Saturday in October did not turn out uh, like we wanted. And, of course, you know, I, I went. And um, and so my, I, don't know, I don't think I told you this. Or maybe, I don't remember if I said it on the last podcast or not. But, yeah, I told my daughter, who's a freshman at, at the University of Alabama, I told her, I said, there's two road trips you need to make before you graduate. And, you know, when you first start college, graduation seems like such a long time away. And for like me and you, it was. But for a, a kid <laughs> on a four-year plan, like, you know, she's got two opportunities. If she does four years, she's got two opportunities to see us play at Tennessee. She's got two opportunities to see us play at Baton Rouge. That's the two trips. And that's it. So, like, I felt we needed to hit one this year. So, we hit, you know, Tennessee. And I took her – her three roommates and uh, I paid for the tickets, which uh, after Tennessee beat LSU, that was not a pretty pretty pay stub there pay, or a pretty bill that I got in the uh, in email. But you know we did it, and it, it was a memory, and it sucks we lost. But you know I, I told her I said you're going to experience something that you've never experienced, and she's been to Mississippi State games. And listen, Starkville gets loud with the cowbells; it gets deafening. But, you know, ultimately, what, 65,000 maybe there? And, I mean, we got 100-plus in Neyland, and they were loaded for bear for us. And, and I told the guy, I mean, <clears throat> they had, um, you know, we know they had game day there. Peyton Manning was the, the picker. They, threw, they flew over. The coolest flyover to me is when they fly over helicopters because they're loud and they're slow. And it just really, they just kind of float across the stadium. And the best one I've ever seen was at the Army-Navy game about – four or five years ago, but now Tennessee had three helicopters come over and it was just, it was phenomenal. And it, it was loud. They were, uh, they were ready for us. I told the guy, of course, I was sitting in just a sea of orange and I told the guy in front of me, a little bit older than me and he's, his son was with him. And I said, you know, I said, if y'all don't beat us today, y'all never going to beat us. And he agreed. I mean, everything was working out in their favor and we still uh, maybe should have won the game. We'll talk about that and uh, we'll, we'll do a definite deep dive into the game. But I've got the commentary, and I want to start off with – we're, we're going to roll into the game, but through the commentary. 
And so I, I have matured a good bit because I have actually watched bits and pieces of the game on replay, which I never would do. I, I, I never watch a loss. You know, I never rewatch a loss. But now that we have a podcast, I feel kind of obligated to to know somewhat know what I'm talking about. Do you feel that same obligation, Tom? <laughs> We're supposed to do that. <laughs> hey, but it's, it's not mandatory. It's just encouraged. But so, you know – and I and another thing that I have kind of matured on, I used to swear off of Facebook, and I probably will after if Auburn beats us, I can't get on Facebook. I can't deal with it. Tennessee's not as bad, but like I, I don't know if you read my post on Facebook, but my last sentence was I had no idea so many Auburn, Mississippi State, no Miss fans also rooted for Tennessee as their second favorite team. I mean, they were coming out in droves to get their their jabs in, and that's fine. That's that's what makes college football great, but. I noticed you know, the Bama fans, everybody's complaining about the referees. Referees, 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 and we're definitely going to get into that. And then one guy, <clears throat> he said, why are y'all not blaming the kicker? And that's kind of the way, that's what I posted. I'm like, the two are not mutually exclusive, and I, I don't know that I'm using that term right, but, boy, it sounds good. Sure. Basically, it, one, both both statements can be true and not be related to each other. The referees cost us the game somewhat and then the kicker and more important to me uh o'brien our offensive coordinator when we got the ball uh when we when we got the ball down to the 32 with 38 seconds left at that point it is ot or to me you kick us if you're going to kick a field goal you kick it with two or three seconds on the clock and and if you miss it, then you go to OT, which Tennessee did have their three timeouts. But we, ne- we didn't make them use our three timeouts because we passed three straight plays, which we also did in the Texas game. So that's just – that's the mentality of Bill O'Brien. And I guess Saban lets him, lets him roll with it. But I want to talk about the refereeing first. And, <clears throat> Tom, I don't know exactly where you work, um, what kind of office situation you have. I, I, I know somewhat of what you do, but like me, I work in, a, in an office, you know, a, a brick and mortar building, building supply. And I mean, we've got 16 employees. And do you have, like, what's your setup? How many employees do y'all have? Uh, it varies, but we only have, we only have uh, four that are regularly in the office. The, the rest of our employees are out okay, in the field. Well, Four, four is enough, you know. And I'm, I'm sure you have a meet, a staff meeting at times. When you have a staff meeting and everybody comes in off the field, what? How many? Fifteen, twenty? I don't know. Yeah, twenty, twenty-two, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, Tom. If if you had a staff meeting, let's just say you monthly you meet with all the employees uh, that are you know, through uh, Longleaf Engineering or Superior Paver. Um, what if you could do? You had two options, and one option is if you if you held the meeting this way in this fashion. Option A, your employees are going to boo you; they're going to boo. Or if you chose if you choose option B, they're not going to boo. I mean, do you like to be booed? How did you know what happened I, at our staff meetings? <laughs> I have contacts, but I, I mean, I don't like to be booed. You know, if I went into work every day. And I could, and if I came in a certain door, I was going to get booed. But I could come in another door and not get booed. Well, I'm going to come in the door where I'm not getting booed because I don't like to be booed. And to me, 
that is what happened this weekend with the referees. It was freaking peer pressure, man. Okay, the targeting. So let, I want to discuss that first. I, the the two calls that we'll discuss, of course, are going to be the inter, the pass interference late in the game, and then but the the in the first half, right before half, we're driving. It is twenty eight to seventeen, Tennessee, and we desperately we need a touchdown. We end up getting a field goal, but it'd be really helpful if we get a touchdown and go into half at twenty eight twenty four. It's considering how we played. Uh, with the mistakes on special teams and just the defense didn't show up and that, that didn't really change in the second half. It did a little bit. We did better. But so, I, we're out, like I said, I'm at the game, and I don't remember what down it is, but Bryce throws a pass, goes out way out of the end zone. But it, it's, not, it's not uncatchable. And even if it was uncatchable, deemed uncatchable, what happened, would, it wouldn't affect what happened. So – you know, no flags, and then all of a sudden, there's a timeout, and the replay boards are showing nothing, and the referees are telling us nothing. So there's a there's a lady behind me, and she's like, "What what are they doing?" I said, "I think they are." I said, "They're replaying something," and the board did say play under review. She said, "What are they reviewing?" I said, "Well, I, it was an incomplete pass, so they're not they're not reviewing whether or not he called it and stayed in bounds or anything anything like that. I said, to my knowledge, just off the top of my head, I think you can only review two. I said, there's no penalty flag either, so there's no they're not reviewing uh, something that that a penalty flag was thrown. I said, I think there's only two things you can review and add a penalty, and that is 12 men on the field and targeting. And I said, I know Bryce. I, I kind of I was watching the ball. When he let go of the ball, of course, I followed the ball, but, you know, I, he was still in my line of vision, and he got leveled. And I told her, I said, I think they're reviewing for targeting. I said, Bryce got leveled uh, right after he let go of the ball, but I don't know. That's just my best guess. And they never showed the replay in the stadium, Tom. And to <laughs> me, that's, that's crap. You know what? Yeah. I, I mean, I know uh, to me – it's like with the band, you know, when, when our band was not able to travel able to travel to Texas, they were going to put us in the upper deck. You know, somebody said, well, that'll change when they, uh, when they joined the conference. And I didn't know what they were talking about. But, you know, somebody else said, yeah, because in the conference, you have to allot X amount of seats in the lower bowl for your band. And if, you know, even, even the long trips like Missouri to Florida, if Missouri wants to bring their band, they're allowed to bring their band. And to me, you know how I feel about replay. I've said it on this podcast a number of times. I hate replay. I wish we'd get rid of it. Um, to me, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna replay the reviewed plays, it needs to be uniform. It needs to be across the conference, for better for worse. If if at Alabama there somebody's, uh, you know, uh, Will Anderson is called for targeting, we need to see it. And we didn't get to see it. I did not know what the play even looked like until I got home at 2.30 in the morning and I couldn't sleep, turned on the DVR, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, how how was that not targeting? J- Gary Danielson and Gene Steratore both said that's targeting. And when Gary Danielson is on our side, bro, it's targeting. So I'll let you respond to that before we get into to anything else. No, that, 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 was, that was overly egregious. I mean that was it, there was no poor um you know poor angle camera angle on it or anything it it was it was as cut and dried of a targeting call as you can have the guy launched he hit him with the crown of the helmet face uh face mask helmet to helmet uh Bryce 
head snaps back player. in the whole thing. He's a defenseless player, particularly a defenseless quarterback. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, that could have been called a late hit. Uh, yeah, they didn't, yeah. you know, I mean, we didn't, we didn't get anything favorable there, but that could have been called a late hit. But once they started reviewing it, you know, they showed it obviously on TV immediately. And I'm like, Oh good Lord. That, you know, that's going to get us inside the 20 and we'll have a good shot of punching this in. And they looked at it forever. I'm like, what are they looking at? I was like, they called incompletion. So they know where the ball is spotted. I was wondering if they were trying to figure out, you know, how to respot the ball or maybe what time, but I'm like, well, it was incompletion, so the time stops, so they can't be adjusting the clock, and by gosh, they figured out a way to not call it targeting. It, it that, that was one of the most egregious lack of penalties for that particular rule I've ever seen. I mean, that was a textbook. It was textbook. Yeah, I agree. Uh, head and neck area, you know, defenseless player, like we said, and, and I looked at it. I think he released the ball around a 30. So, if it is a – is it a spot foul? But if, if he released it at the 30, the, the line of scrimmage was what? Probably the 23, 24-yard line? It would have been so, I mean, from yeah, the line of scrimmage. Be, it would have been half the distance. We'd 15. Have, yeah. Yeah. would have been inside the 15, 100%. And I, then I was like, well, how much time is left? How much time was left? And I couldn't uh, – didn't really remember. But I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, Tennessee ran three or four plays, and they put in that Joe Milton because he had a stronger arm to get one of the end zones. So, we had plenty of time. We'd have got – we'd have been first and 10 – Let's just say around the twelve yard line with a minute and a half left. I mean, I really feel like we score a touchdown there. If nothing else, well, I'd like to say we'd manage the clock where Tennessee wouldn't even get the ball back. <laughs> but we know that's not true. So, well, you know, but I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, because I, I finish out because I'm about to segue into the next uh, next thing I want to talk about in the you know regarding the the refs. Well, I just I want to I want to mention. And and maybe I'll save this for the game too. But I, I've got some I've got some thoughts on the penalties too. Go on with the refs, and then I'll catch up. Well, that's where I'm going to go with penalties. But first off, you know, back to Facebook. You know, a lot of people were saying, uh, "Ah, y'all, you know, y'all y'all lost." Um, and, and then you know, just just deal with it. And Bama fans like we we should have won. And and then the fans are like, well, you should have lost last weekend. You know what? And that's that's fine. If you want to play that card, you should have lost to A and M. Play that card. That's fine. I because I, I can look at both sides. Yes, I I can agree with someone who says we should have lost to Texas A and M because they were on the two yard line and it was all or nothing. If they get in, we we don't even get the ball back. The clock is at zero and we get to go home. We we take the walk of shame out of the stadium. But if you're going to play that card about you should have lost A&M, then you've got to play the card if we should have beat Tennessee because we should have beat them, which we'll get into. But as we know, the refing, we had 17 penalties. So I looked at – I spent about two hours Sunday looking at, uh, looking at stuff, and I, I wish – you know, this is going to be one of those things I'm going to talk through. It would be much better if it was a visual. I will probably put this out on Twitter. So first off, let's look at our penalties. I went back and looked at our 17 penalties. And to me, there's two types of penalties. There's the kind that nobody disagrees with, like the dead ball, like it, it delay a game. That's, that's black or white. If the clock's at zero, then you have delayed the game. 12 men on the field. If if the ref throws a flag and they count and there's 12 people on the field, that, there's no arguing that. There's false no arguing start. a false start. You can tell. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can tell when a lineman jumps out of his stance. Um, eighty, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> still coughing in six weeks and in, into the season. Um, eighty-one, you know, flinched one time in the backfield. That that's easy to spot when when someone jumps off sides. Those are those are easy to start, easy to spot. The the ones that are not easy to spot, the 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 questionable calls, the judgment calls, like the illegal block, you know, blocking a back, holding, specifically holding in pass interference. So we had seventeen penalties. Eight of them, eight of them were dead ball, no brainers. False start, delay a game, offsides, offsides, false start, delay, false start, false start. I mean, we, that that was way too many false starts in there. And did you know that we got the first seven penalties of the game? And I always, Dad has always talked about this in basketball, and it's very easy to relate to. Most of our listeners watch basketball. You've seen games where, you know, Team A versus Team B, and the home team has drawn – the other team has – the visiting team has fouled the other the home team seven times. So you look up on the scoreboard, and the visitors have seven team fouls, and the home team has zero team fouls. Does does that? You, I know you've seen it before. Like, yeah, is it, that it, it completely normally it is, completely strikes you as unfair and one sided? Yeah, thank you for thank you for finishing my stuttering self. Well, that's what happened. We 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 registered the first seven penalties of the game before Tennessee got theirs. The nine judgment calls, you know, and, and that's what everybody complained about the referee. And I'm not going to complain about the eight that are no no question, the false starts, the delay of games. And I don't even care about the nine. I mean, the holding, that's fine. But, of course, the defensive pass interference, the one is what killed us. But back to what I did on Sunday, I wanted to see how many times we have been the beneficiary of a holding call, meaning this. We're playing against Team X, and Team X holds Alabama, and they they throw a flag, and they're like holding on offense, number 71, 10-yard penalty, repeat the down. Okay, do you know how many holding penalties that we have been the beneficiary of this year? We've played seven games so far. Yeah, we mentioned this last week, and I didn't have the exact number, but I was thinking it was zero or one. It's one. It was uh, Louisiana Monroe. So what I wanted to do is I looked at I, I took our opponents I took Utah State Texas Louisiana Monroe Vanderbilt Arkansas A and M and Tennessee, and I looked at the teams that they had played and I wanted to see did Tennessee hold LSU at all Did Tennessee hold Ball State at all Did Tennessee hold Pittsburgh at all Does that make sense Yes. So I it was a it was a time consuming process. So we have 66 to- – Bama has 66 total penalties this year. We're leading the country. And we've had 10 holding calls on our offense. That does not include special teams. That is 10 offensive holds. That's the best number I could come up with. Um, I, and, I, and I might have made a mistake, but I, Twitter had nine. So I'm very I'm, – it's either nine or ten. And so Utah State was our first opponent. They have four holding calls this year. They had zero against Bama. Texas – They've had five holding calls this year, zero against Bama. Louisiana Monroe, six total, one against Bama. And I won't bore you with the details because everybody else is going to be zero. Vandy's had one holding call. Arkansas's had six. A&M has had four. Tennessee has had six. Okay, we supposedly have the best linebacking core in the country. We've got serviceable, if not above average, defensive linemen. Like, How are we not getting holding calls? 
But I'm going to tell you one that I just stumbled upon that really blew my mind. You know, you and I, we've talked about offensive pass interference. When, Like with Alabama, how many times do you feel like we get offensive pass interference in a season? Maybe once or twice, maybe. Exactly. That I've always said, I said you get about one a year. So and, and that's what we've had so far. We've had one offensive pass interference this year. So I looked at our opponents, and here I stumbled up on – I'll tell you, I don't want to spoil it of how I stumbled up on this. So I looked at offensive pass interference because we gave up a load of yards off, um, on the pass. All right, Utah State has had two OPIs this year. Texas, zero. Louisiana, Louisiana Monroe, zero. Vanderbilt has had one. Arkansas has had two. A&M has had zero. And here's the reason I even went back and looked at offensive pass interference. Tennessee, would you like to guess how many offensive pass interference calls they've had this year? Obviously, it's above normal, but no, I, I don't I don't have a guess. I'll say four. They, they, they've had five. Five offensive pass interferences. Okay, they've only played six games. There are two games they did not register an offensive pass interference at all. Would you like to guess what two games that is? I'm going to guess one is Alabama. The other is yep. uh, LSU. Florida. Florida. Yeah, both at home. They had two in one game, <clears throat> and that's that's when I stumbled up. See, I, the first team I looked at was Tennessee. And I was looking at their penalties, and I saw OPI, OPI. I, saw, like, I got to number three. I'm like, wait a minute. This this is weird. Like, they've got to be leading the country in offensive pass interference, which leads me to to the conclusion that they're, they're, they're pushing the envelope on their routes. And maybe that's one reason. Now, granted, we didn't, we didn't do ourselves any favors with our defensive effort um, in the defensive backfield. But, you know – who knows how many picks that, that sprung the guy open because they've been called five times. To me, that was a very high number. That is interesting. But if you're wondering, Mississippi State, that's their opponent. They've had seven total holding calls this year. So they've had more than anybody that we've played up to here. You know, we'll see if we have a, a get an, a defensive hold or an offensive holding against Mississippi State this week. They've had two OPIs because they throw it around a lot, and so does Tennessee. But I, I found that very interesting that Tennessee had the five offensive pass interference calls. So let me let me that, add. That's really all I have. Let me add to that ahead, interesting uh, portion because I did find that very interesting. But <clears throat> here's a conclusion that I came to on on these these penalties, and I tried to get myself into the mind of a referee because honestly, I have a hard time believing, and this is the same way I treat politics and that sort of thing and it may be naive of me and i know there are some some people that purposely do things that are contrary to the way that most of the general public would want you doing whether it's politics whether it's sports whether it's whatever so i have a hard time believing that referees purposely try to throw the game or try to influence a game that's probably a better word trying to influence a game but I do have an easy time of thinking about a guy, and it's exactly what you allude to when you first opened up the podcast, where proud participation uh, sort of gets in their mind. And also, 
I think there is a mentality out there, particularly when it comes to Alabama. Oh, it's exciting to see Alabama lose. It's exciting to see a mm-hmm. team in the game with Alabama. Or, you know, maybe Alabama's got all the other advantages. I'm going to make sure that I call them really, really tight on stuff where I might let the other team go. And that, that to me, is the biggest thing. I would like to see... I, I, I think you could take every penalty flag they called and probably justify it in some manner. My issue is also what you're alluding to is equitable distribution of the penalties. If you're going to talk, call it tight on us, call it tight on them too. And and, and you know and if you want to if you want to be the referee that calls 35 penalties in a game, that's fine. Everybody realizes that's the kind of game we're playing, and that and, and we'll be fine with it. But don't call 20 on one team and five on the other, which is effectively what they've done. And I think you have, again, going back to the mentality of a, of a referee who gets caught up in the moment, because that's the best way that I know how to explain it. They get caught up in the moment of watching Goliath go down. And I know that's kind of a, a little bit of... Um, you know, can concede or whatever, call an Alabama golf. But I mean, the reality of it is they, they've been on top for the longest time and that's just the way it is. And so I did also went back and looked and just very quickly, over the past uh, seven games that we've played, we've played three of those games on the road, Texas, Arkansas, and Tennessee. In the other four games, believe it or not, in the other four games, we had exactly six penalties in each of those games. Exactly six. Mm-hmm. On the other three games where we went on the road, that's on the road at Texas, on the road at Arkansas, and on the road at Tennessee, we had 15, 10, and 17 in those three games. So we're we're yeah. in that environment where the, the crowd is into it, the game is fairly close, and the and the referees, where they shouldn't be influencing a game, they are. They they are you know whether it's it's called for or not, they're not being equitable with their flags. In the Texas game, we had fifteen; they had five. In the Arkansas game, we had ten; they had six. Tennessee seventeen to six, and of course in the Tennessee game, there the 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 penalties called there were so overtly game-influencing, that's what has everybody up in arms. If if we'd had 17 penalties that come at random times in the game and they were just part of it, we'd be frustrated, of course, because it's it's not equitable. I mean, obviously, we want the game called the both, you know, both sides equally, but it gets to be very egregious when the penalties that they miss, one of them, they had a take back. See, the targeting, hey, you had video replay. <laughs> you know, so how do you how do you miss yeah. that one? And then the other one, you know, the game was over. Uh, that interception in the end zone, the game was literally over, and the guy didn't even call the flag. The, the, the referee standing in front of it threw no flag, started running the other way. If you watch the replay, uh, Hooker, after he throws and sees the interception, is has got his head down, walking off to the sideline. Most quarterbacks are paying attention to when they throw it up. If there's a flag, they're sitting there pointing and flagging and you know and lobbying for the penalty or whatever. Didn't happen. Flag wasn't there. Flag showed up several several seconds after the play from a referee across the field. <laughs> 
And I, I mean that yeah. that to me is uncalled for. Uh, just, just the whole situation there. Uh, if the guy in front of the goal line that's five yards from the play throws that flag, we're gonna be mad. But he threw it in a bang bang play, yeah. and it was definitely yeah. bang bang. And it's it's still gonna make us upset. But it doesn't look overtly one sided and deceitful. And that's what this looks like. That's that's the appearance of this call. And and there's no other way to 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 look at it. I mean, there, I, you can say it, it it was or it wasn't, but the appearance of how it went down was very deceitful. And so I, I just think we're getting unequitable distribution of flags, particularly on the road in hostile environments. And well, it took, you know, go ahead. Go ahead I, no, no, I mean that that that's that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I I don't know how much more you can add, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, that you know, I knew we would talk about that. Was kind of the second thing. First off, I never really finished up the booing. Okay, nobody wants to be booed at their job. So when the refs didn't have to call the targeting, when they got the word from Birmingham office that no, we're not calling targeting, that was a load off because dude, that stadium would have erupted if 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 they would have called targeting kick number twenty one out. And that's what I'm saying. They they were influenced. They were peer pressure. I mean, they were bullied by the home crowd and. It's just that, you know, if you can't take it, if you don't have thick enough skin, then don't be a referee. But speaking of the referee, so you know who threw the – I don't know if you've seen the cell phone coverage of it, the cell phone footage. There's a guy that is – okay, I was sitting in that corner of the end zone, the the opposite corner. I was sitting in that end zone, but not that corner, the other corner. You know what I'm saying? So I, you know, I had a, I had a good view of it. Well, there's a guy on the field that was in the other corner of the end zone, but that end zone. So he's filming it. Okay, the ref that threw the flag is the back judge, and he was around the goalpost. And you know the penalty, the the interception happened right on the sideline. So what, 25? I don't remember what the width of a field is. I think it's right over 50 yards. He's like 25 yards half, plus yards. away from it. Yeah, he's he's 25 yards away. Okay, have you seen the cell phone footage I'm talking about? I don't think so. Okay, so I need to. I'll try, I'll try to find it and uh, put it on the. I'll put it on Twitter. Our Twitter, by the way, is at targeting not at targeting not. You know, tweet at us if you want to talk about this. So the ball, you know, the, the cell phone is panning with the quarterback and then follows the ball. So the the rail finally comes into view right before right before the ball gets uh, deflected by number thirteen. When the ball gets deflected. The back judge raises both of his arms like he's about to call incomplete, okay? Then he immediately puts them down because he sees it's caught. Then he runs over, and so Kool-Aid catches it about a yard, yard and a half, two yards. We'll just say a yard for sake of argument inside the end zone. And Kool-Aid runs a 4-4-40, I'm sure, 4-5-40. But with pads on and bobbing and weaving, do you think he runs 10, yard, uh, 10 yards in one second? I doubt it. You know, probably one and a half seconds to get 10 yards, 1.35 seconds, whatever. So <clears throat> the flag was fine. The fl- flag landed at the five-yard line. When you're watching on video, when uh, on the on the CBS broadcast, when Kool Aid gets to the ten yard line, you can barely see the five yard line still in the frame. If you pause it, there is no flag when he's at the ten. So we know it was after the ten. Well, finally, I knew because Bama all teams film their games in a bunch of different. I'm sure a bunch of different angles, but I know one angle's got to be an end zone view where you can see the holes open up. 
So the flag was thrown when Kool-Aid was right around the 30-yard line. So start doing the math on that. A solid four, four and a half seconds after the ball was deflected, the ref decides to throw a flag. So that that is why – so if you're – I figure most people listening to this podcast are Bama fans. You know, so, so you, you understand where we're coming from. But let's just say you're a rival fan. Let's say you're a Tennessee fan or you're an Auburn fan that's happened upon this podcast. All I'm saying is – it's it's bad in a number of fronts. It's ba- fronts. It's bad because he was not the primary official that was supposed to make that call. Can he make that call? Yes, I talked to an official that said yes. That is his call if he wants to make it, and that's fine. But you know, another thing Dad always told me about refereeing: no matter what sport, be quick and be loud. You know, if you're quick and loud. People will re- people think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, but and, I, and let's go back to basketball, Tom. So you know you played in the post. You're like me. You're you're too short to play in the post, but you're not quick enough to be a guard. So you had to bang on the post. So let's say you're playing. We're playing five on five, and we have three referees, and you're on the low block, and you step out of bounds. But the ref that calls you out of bounds is the ref at half court. Mm-hmm. Like. Or, yeah, that's not his call, no. dude. You've got to let the guy closest make that call. And like you said, Hendon Hooker didn't complain about it. The the um, it looked like a tight end. I might have been Fant. I'm not sure. He didn't complain about it. Everybody was chasing Kool Aid, of course. Nobody thought that that was interference. And like you said, I, you know, you can get 55 penalties, and it just depends on when you get them. To, to how bad they hurt you. If it's first, if you're on your own four yard line, at first and ten from your own four, and you get a holding call on a running play, wow, that's really a big penalty. You lose two yards and you keep first down. So instead of first and ten, it's first and twelve. Now, now think about if you're on the the twenty eight yard line and it's third and three, and you do a running play and you get called for holding. So instead of a 28, 30, instead of a 45-yard field goal, you're out of field goal range. You either got to go for it or punt. Like that's a difference in that's how important penalties can be. And that call prevented us from winning the game because with Kool-Aid returning the ball, even if even if you get the block in the back penalty, we're up seven. It's less than four minutes left. They've got all yes, they have all three timeouts. But the best they can hope for is a is a tie ball game at that point. And if we get three first downs, and they hadn't stopped us all night, if we get three first downs, the game's over. So that penalty was just one of the worst penalties that could ever be called that will be called on Alabama. Yeah, and I hate we've taken up so much time on penalties, and I'm not going to say anything more about them. But, uh, I mean, it deserved the airtime. And it's and again, I think the takeaway here for everybody is is it's not necessarily that you know these penalties aren't made; they they're just being called, uh, you know, not not equitably. I keep using that word, but I don't know a better word to use it. But I'll tell I'll tell you other no, things that yeah. yeah that that uh, again contributed to our loss. There was a multitude of things that contributed. I mean, it, it, certainly just having uh, calls go our way doesn't do it by itself well one of them would have but you know Tennessee only put him once in the day we 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 didn't get him off the field but one time on the whole day now there was yeah. a couple times that they drove deep into our territory and and uh you know they gave up the ball on downs and that's a that's a defensive stop but but you you've got to do more to get off the field as a defense and 
You cannot imagine with all the resources and all the tutelage that we've had here at the university, particularly from Nick Saban in the secondary, that Pete Golding can't dial up a defense that doesn't get just fooled. I mean, they they were fooled all day. That's all it amounted to. Tennessee wasn't making, you know, there, several years ago when Manziel beat us and when uh, Ole Miss beat us, those those one-off games, they threw a lot of 50-50 balls and, and just kept getting them. And, you know, and we had defenders in the, in the area and we weren't making plays on ball, but they were, they were getting 50-50 balls and, and, and it contributed a lot. That's not what happened Saturday. Saturday they had guys running open all over the field. It just reminded <laughs> me of us when we play under, uh, you know, undersized or, or, or teams that don't have nearly as much talent as we got. And, and that, that is simply a, coaching error just just they're just not in the right position on defense and that's that's upsetting i mean you've got a a group that had a record day at a&m of course all the penalties in that game and missed field goals and that sort of thing kept that game close too but they had a record day on hurries and sacks we had zero hurries saturday none but you know what uh, a lot of that was attributed to, and you probably noticed it there too, Golding, for some reason, just said, hey, we're going to play a lot of nickel and rush three. They they made no concerted effort of trying to put a lot of pressure on Hooker in that game. Uh, very few times did we bring somebody or bring a lot of pressure and he just had he just had time to throw the ball. I mean, I mean that's never more apparent than zero hurries on the day. We had, we end up with the one sack, and I think that was a product of a hooker holding the ball too long. So I was very mm-hmm. unimpressed with our defensive scheme. Obviously, after giving up fifty two, that that goes without saying. But it wasn't it wasn't a fluke fifty two. You know, we've been in some games where we've given up a lot of points, and they were fluke points. Arkansas comes to mind at the end of that game where they. You know, we, we, we have a terrible punt snap and we, we give up a turnover deep in our territory and we keep setting them up deep. That's not what happened Saturday. Tennessee scored from all over the field. We, we punted them deep. Yeah. They're on six, and I was so excited because we had the lead and we had them backed up. I said, you know, this is where we need to take control of this game. They went on three-play drive. Three plays, 96 yards, touchdown. <laughs> I mean, it was just – we had no answers. Zero. And no, we, you, you just do – in the stadium, I just, I'm just i like, they're going to score. Let's just – I was trying to figure out, okay, if we can make them score in ten plays instead of three, then maybe we'll maybe that will milk the enough clock to where we have the ball last and they don't have a chance to get it back, which is, uh, you know, almost what happened. But, you know, Eli said one thing. I'll give him credit on this. I don't know if you realize that I hadn't thought about it. The last two games we have played – we have had an interception in the end zone to basically end the game, and both of them have been called back due to pass interference. Yep, that's exactly right. So, and, and, and both, you of, know, but like you said, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. I mean, that's just one of those things where you get a you get a overzealous referee really wanting to to help pull off the monster upset. I mean, I honestly think that whether it's Consciously or subconsciously, I think that plays into it, and, and it don't in the elite referees. But but yeah, I think we can all agree we didn't have an elite crew out there Saturday. 
No, I mean, we, um, you know, that was the crew that, now we've since found out, that was the crew that blew the uh, the grounding call in the, the Auburn and Arkansas game in 20, Bo Nix was there, was it his freshman year, which would have been 2019, it was either 2019 or 2020, you know, they um they, they spiked the, – he fumbled the snap, then spiked the ball. That's gra- that's grounding. Well, you know, here, you know that's here's – That's loss of down. That would have ended the game. They got suspended over that. Like, how are they not going to get suspended over this? What, I, I don't know. I it know. Just, well, uh, getting away from the refs again, I, you know, I, I'll tell you another huge deficiency, and I told you this on Saturday, and I actually uh, commented on Twitter about it and got some uh, more support than I thought I might get on it. But uh, – I don't think Reichert is a clutch kicker. He's got a great foot. He's got a great leg. He puts a lot of distance on the ball, and if there's no pressure on him, he's a pretty good kicker. I mean, he he's when he didn't miss a kick two years ago, hey, that's awesome. But you know what? We didn't have any close games two years ago. We blew everybody out. There were no pressure yeah. kicks to be had in that season. Uh, I, I started looking back at our close games, particularly on the road, things that – uh, where we need kicks to happen to, and, and obviously Saturday was a huge, huge miss at a critical time into the most pressure cooker environment you'll ever be in. I mean, that's a, you can attest to that straight up. But he didn't come through for us there. The game's on the line last week against Texas A&M. He went one for three. You know, he did kick a, and you mentioned this, he kicked a winning field goal against Texas earlier this year, and it was the last play of the game. And that was, yes, I agree. That that's You need that. You, you That's good. But that kick was only 33 yards. That was almost uh, an extra yeah. point. Uh, you know, it, I, do you do I have that same confidence him if that's 45 yards with uh, no time left? Absolutely not. Um, you know, and even going back to, to LSU last year in the, in the close game we had with them where they had no business being in there. He missed an extra point in that game, went one for two on field goals, missed a chip shot field goal as well. So yeah. I, I just, he's got to get better. And, you know, we're, we're saying these things, and we're seven games into the, the, the season – and at some point, you are who you are. You know, at some point, we've got to say, do we really want to depend on a kicker to get us there? And at some point, we've got to figure out, hey, we're going to drop some passes because our re- receivers are. We've dropped passes all year long, all year long. And Gibbs yeah. dropped a pass on that last drive that would have kept the drive going yep. for us. And I don't know that he don't score yeah, there, Yeah, there's Tom, nobody. Re- watching the replay. Yep, I he, he had a great – all he had to do was outrun the angle, and I think he could have done I do it. too. I mean, and that, that game's over right there. Um, and, and, and the, you know, just critical drops and, and, and missed field goals and terrible play calling. It's tough to say you got terrible play calling when you score 49 as an offensive coordinator, but I, I, did, I didn't like it. I don't like the way we got the 49. You know why we got 49 points Saturday? Uh, Bryce Young. Bryce Young is the sole yeah. reason we got 49 points. 100%. He overcame drop balls. He overcame a defense that couldn't stay out on the field more than three or four plays at a time. He brought us back from, uh, what was it, 21 to 7, 24? I mean, 28 to 7. 28 to 10. 28 to 10, yeah. 28 there to was 10. A, there yeah. was no when that game was twenty eight to ten in that atmosphere. It was shocking to me that we had the lead as early as the third quarter. We had the lead, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and that was all Bryce Young. And and I was very, you know, that to the victor goes the spoils. We know that's the case. And, and I was looking on ESPN earlier today about the current Heisman rankings, 
and Hooker goes all the way up to second or third, and Bryce falls to fifth, and I'm like, man, that. They didn't watch the same game I did. Hooker threw to wide open no, receivers exactly. all day <laughs> in his home, yeah. you know, his home house, and and they get all the accolades. And yeah, if you win the game, great, you win the game. But if you're you're talking about the difference in one kick going, you know, instead of being five yards right, it's five yards left. They're talking about Alabama today, and yeah. and, and people oh, think sure. that the the sky is falling and everything. And we're talking about uh, a referee making overzealous call or a kick going five yards one way or the other. Uh, any one of those things happen, and there's a multitude of them. The game, the game's different. We win, and so to go on the road in that environment and to have a chance to win the game down twenty-eight to ten, and and having all the drop passes and all the penalties and everything going against us. I mean, I'm surprised we even had a shot there, but. I think we have a lot of talent. I just don't think our coaching staff is utilizing that talent to the best of its ability. I, I really believe that. Yeah, I agree. I, I really thought I was telling people uh, today at work, I said, you know, I, I said, I'm going to open up the commentary with the Bama-Tennessee game. Then we'll get into the game. I said, I figure we'll talk 30 minutes on that at least. And we're sitting at 45. So let's move on to Mississippi State, uh, who we play this week. I think I heard that Bama has lost 15 regular season games under Nick Saban, and I think that's right, 14 or 15. At five After five of those, we have played Mississippi State. So Mississippi State is just on a bad spot on the schedule to where they get Bama coming off a loss. I, you know, we shouldn't lose to them, but it is a scary game to me because look at what, look at what Hooker did to us uh, Saturday, and Will Rogers is probably as good of a passer – as Hendon Hooker, he is mobile, but now Hooker can Hooker can uh, you know take take off and he can get five, eight, fifteen. He can get twenty five yards. He can take it to the house. I don't think real Ro- Will Rogers can do that. I you know Will Rogers can scramble on third and three and get the first down, but third and ten he's he's probably not going to get the first down. So, but but they're more predicated on the pass. They've been running more too, and I do think they have a better defense. So I'm not counting this game as a win by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you have to figure that they're going to look at that double stack wide side of the field uh, receivers and try to exploit that because, to my understanding, like I said, I know a lot of football, but then again, I don't know a lot of football. Um, I think with the double stack, what it did, it put a safety on one of the guys, and that's the guys they were targeting. So who's to say they're not going to double stack on us and get get matched up with a safety again? You know, hopefully we can get more pressure. Uh, and we are at home. That's going to be a big help. But I, I just – I don't have the confidence where in the past if we've lost a game – the only time I thought we were about to lose back-to-back was 2015 when Ole Miss beat us at Ole Miss – and the very – I think – did we have – maybe it wasn't back-to-back. I, I think we might have had one more game. But then we went, we went to Georgia very quickly after Ole Miss and were underdogs and, uh, and we ended up trouncing them 38-10 to 10 in the rain. Outside of that, I never really thought we'd lose another game. But I just – this team is not trustworthy yet. I, I don't know. You know, we have – like you said, we have drops. Tyler Harrell, the the kid from Louisville, I'm going to go ahead and say it, guys. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. That kid's never going to play in an Alabama uniform. It's, we're we're on game eight. We've only got 12 regular season games. If you're still holding out hope for Tyler Harrell, you're a better man than me because, to me, he he's done. And I don't know why. 
Is it injury? Is it not knowing the offense? Is it bad attitude? I don't know, but it's just it's just it sucks because he was supposed to be the guy that was going to stretch the field that he was going to take Jamison Williams' place, and we don't have that, and it shows. Yeah, for sure, and and I'm the same way as you. I I think Mississippi State and and Will Rogers can create a lot of problems for us. Um, up until Tennessee game, I didn't think that was the case. You and I both last week uh, thought our defense would make a a really strong showing in Knoxville, not just uh, go up there and be serviceable so we could win the game. We we expected a strong showing. I I think I put uh, predicted them to only have ten points on the board. So uh, after being exposed in the secondary like we did, yes, uh, Will Rogers is going to be the second or third best quarterback we're going to see all year, and. We've got to be prepared for that, and we've got to be prepared for that in a time where we're coming off a heartbreaking loss, and do you get your focus back? Now, I'll tell you the key to this game, and, and just go ahead and write this down. We're going to have to have at least two sacks and multiple hurries on Saturday. Went back and looked. Uh, Mississippi State's coming off the loss to Kentucky. That's a road loss, but uh, they – they give up one sack and one hurry, which is not too bad, but they did give up a sack and a hurry against LSU when they got blown out. Well, I say blown out. They lost by 14, double digits. They give up four sacks and eight hurries. And then in two games that you didn't probably expect them to win in the preseason, Texas A&M and Arkansas, they won big in both those games. They didn't give up a sack in either one of those games, and only four hurries combined. So we're going to have to get back to getting pressure on the quarterback. And if you don't get pressure on Will Rogers, he's going to beat you. I mean, he's going to get some receivers open, and he's going to take advantage of you, and he's done it all year. I mean, he is the SEC pass completion leader in the history of the conference. Is that not correct? Didn't he uh, yeah, so, got yeah. that award or, or surpassed that milestone a week or two ago? So you're going to have to yeah. get some pressure on him to keep him from just sitting back there and picking you apart and – if last week is any indication, our secondary can be picked apart, and that's unfortunate. But I expect us to rebound. I do. I expect that if I can see that, I hope Golden can. <laughs> so I do mm-hmm. expect us to win big, but if we have trouble getting pressure on him and he's getting the ball out quick, it, it's, it could be a closer game than that. You know, it could be, it could be a 38-28 uh, type game, and I hope it's not. But uh, it very well could be. I don't expect that. I expect we will get some pressure and, and do a lot of the same things that LSU can do with those down linemen. And I expect us to open this one up a little bit, maybe like a 34 to 10 or something like that. Man, I hope so. Over under 61. So, you know, the last touchdown that Mississippi State scored against us in Tuscaloosa, you know who threw the pass? Yeah, it's been like four years, right, or more. Dak Prescott. Dak Pres- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in Tuscaloosa. I, think had to yeah, be, I was just thinking I, consecutive games. So that's got to be eight years yeah. ago, right? Six or eight. That was, I think, 2014, I guess. 14 or 16. I'm trying to yeah. think. I think it was uh, I think it was 14. I think he was going in 16. Yeah. But I've got us winning. I, I, I don't, I'm not as confident as you on our defense. I, I say the game's going to go over. I say we'll get in the 40s, but I'm going to say states will get in the 20s. I'll, I'll say like 45 to. I'm gonna say 48 to 24. You know, I think this is kind of where the game will be sitting at. So, we're way over time. Bets this week, last week we went both went one and one. I had Kentucky with a win. I had Ole Miss with a loss. You know, Auburn 
Go bet against Auburn at your own peril. And I know they're ready to get rid of Harson, and they've got their reasons, but that team's fighting for Harson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, now they 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 did fight on Saturday, but I'll tell you this. And go back and look at this uh, at your own leisure, listeners. But Ole Miss has struggled in the second half of their games all year. Even when they had big leads, they tend to let people get back in it. And I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if people are adjusting at halftime to their scheme and coming out or, or they're just losing focus in the second half when they get get a lead. But keep an eye on that moving forward. And you had you had Minnesota, which was a loss. Oklahoma was a win, so – how you paid juice this week? What you got on tap for us this week on game one? I'm going to take time? Iowa plus 29. They're going to the horseshoe. Ohio State was off last week. They've moved to the betting favorite. Vegas is the number one team in the country. But I was not bad. I was got a really, really good defense. A really good defense. Their offense is pitiful, though. And uh, I don't expect Iowa to score much in this game. But... With the right combination of uh, breaks there, I think they can keep this relatively close. So I think they get inside the 29. All right, I'm going to go Ole Miss. I think that game's moved to a pick em, so I'm going to take it at a pick em over LSU. LSU's hard team to read. They go down there and smack Florida around. They struggle with Auburn. They get trounced by Tennessee at home. So, uh, But I, I think, uh, like you said, uh, Ole Miss has struggled some, but I think they got – they they are circling the Bama game. They want to come into that game undefeated. So I'm going to say Ole Miss at a pick them. I like that. Um, I'm also going to go with Texas minus six on the road at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's coming off their first loss on Saturday. They were all looking at playoffs, and now they're at home, and Texas is going to come in as a road favorite. Smelly fish time, guys. Going with Texas minus the points. In my last game, I had written down Mississippi State, but I think the score I just threw out would have them not covering. So <laughs> I'm going to go Colorado State minus five and a half at home versus Hawaii. This Hawaii, Vandy, which we thought maybe Vandy was better. They're not. Uh, they got beat 55 to nothing by Georgia. We, we smacked them around this year. Vandy killed Hawaii at Hawaii open, to open the season. So Colorado State, who's not a good football team, but to be favored five and a half, they're going to cover that. They're going to win by 14. So, Iowa plus 29, Ole Miss had to pick them. Texas minus six, Colorado State five and a half. So, let's close out. We've got about a uh, couple of minutes left. Let's look at our CFP. We're going to go top six teams again. Uh, I've got Ohio State number one. Who have you? Who do you have at number Ohio one? Ohio State. Number two, who you got? Georgia. I have the Tennessee Volunteers. That's a terrible pick. I mean, they – well, it might be. They're number six. I beat number three at home. Uh, so, I've got Tennessee at two. I've got Georgia, your number two team. I've got them at three. Who do you have I at have three? I have Michigan at three. Michigan has been wobbling, wobbling, wobbling. They finally got a ranked opponent Saturday, and they just beat the crap out of them. Yeah, that was an impressive win by them. That's another reason I don't like to go to games – it, I didn't watch one play on a television screen. I tried to watch Auburn Ole Miss on a cell phone. It just a two thirty game blows your whole day. I hate it. I don't know that I'm going back this year. Okay, uh, number four. I've, you had Michigan at three. I've got Michigan at four. Four. I have a tie. Alabama, Tennessee. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, you're you're true. You're a true homer, Tom. I am a true homer, but that I would give that benefit of the doubt that anybody goes on a hostile road environment and had every chance of winning the game. 
we're talking about who is the best teams in the country right now. You can't tell me that that game on a neutral field turns out in Tennessee's favor 10 out of 10 times. They're not going to win the majority no, of those no, games. No. Alabama's going to win 8 out of those 10 in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. And right now they both have similar records. As a matter of fact, we're still ranked second in the FPI on ESPN Index. Yeah, yeah. Well, closing out, uh, I've I've got Bama at five, Clemson at six. I just I guess I'm not going to respect Clemson, and they're you know what they're going to do? They're going to slop around and finish undefeated and be the number two or number three seed in the playoffs, and probably keep a second SEC team out or definitely a third team out. Who rounds out your top? I six? have the same Clemson team, and I agree with that. They're uh, uh, they were on the verge of losing twice already this year, just in really tight games. They against substandard opponents, very similar to Alabama. <laughs> but they have not been impressive even in their wins. But but there, there's nobody left on that schedule. They have a, a ranked Syracuse this week. Syracuse is the toughest team remaining on their schedule. And they're 13.5-point favorites. So yeah. Good luck with that. All right. Remember uh, – Go get you some face cream, some body cream at Man of Means. Google search it. You can find it on Amazon. They are proud sponsors of our show. And, Tom, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys.